Hey everyone, we're going to be opening up Psalm 23 together today. So if you have your Bibles with you or your Bible apps, open them up to Psalm 23. I'll be using the English Standard Version. Let me read it for you. This is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of God. If I haven't met you before, I'm Ben. I'm the community pastor here. And here we are at the final service of 2021. It's the last Sunday of the year. And I wonder how you are feeling at the end of this year. I wonder how you feel about 2021. I read a blog from a Victorian Bible College lecturer this week, and he said 2021 has been one of the most disturbing years he's experienced in his life so far. I mean, he lives and works in Victoria, so he experienced some of the worst of the pandemic in Australia. But besides that, he made the point that 2021 has been one of the most rocky years globally too. This is what he wrote in his blog. He said, the year began with disturbing scenes of insurrection on Capitol Hill. I can't believe that was this year. That was when all those rioters stormed towards Capitol Hill in America. He continues writing, Chinese aggression and responses to it is deeply concerning. We watched helplessly as the Taliban regained control of Afghanistan and desperate men, women and children tried to flee inevitable oppression. The recent climate change conference in Glasgow profiled world leaders and scientific experts making doomsday predictions about the future of the planet if global warming is not reined in immediately. Now, if you haven't already come down from your Christmas high, you have now. (laughs) Sorry to bring you down like that. But 2021 has left many people weary and worried. And I wonder how you have felt about this year. Are you weary from 2021? Are you worried about what is yet to come next year? Whether you're a Christian or not, if Psalm 23 is true, you can finish this year on an incredible note. And here's why. Because Psalm 23 offers rest for the weary. Psalm 23 offers protection for the worried. And it offers guidance for the wandering. In fact, the promises are so beautiful in this psalm that it is hard to feel anything but confident and excited about the future. You see, this psalm was written around 3,000 years ago by King David. He was perhaps the greatest king in Israel's history. But he wrote the psalm at a time where he felt weary and worried. He was on the run. 
He was separated from the palace in Jerusalem and God's dwelling place there. Violent people were after him. And we see this as we read between the lines of the psalm. So as we look at the psalm, we see that when he focuses on God making him lie down in green pastures and restoring his soul, we see that he's in need of rest. He's weary. When he focuses on God's protection, that he will fear no evil in the the valley of the shadow of death, we can see that he's in danger. There's a reason why he's focusing on these truths. And if we take a look at verse 6, where he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When he says that, it tells us a bit more about the context that he's writing in. So that word follow there in verse 6 is not the best translation. That Hebrew word usually means pursue, persecute, chase after. Evidently, as we're reading through the psalm, we see that David's in danger. It seems as if he's being pursued and chased after by his enemies. But as he comes to the end of his reflection and his prayer, he's so filled with God's promises that he says, actually, in the end, it's only goodness and mercy that is chasing me down and pursuing me. And then that final line where he says, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You've probably got a footnote next to those words, shall dwell. Because dwell really isn't a good translation for the Hebrew word there. The Hebrew word is shuv. Almost always it means to turn back, to turn around, even to repent. And so what's David saying there in that final line? He's, he's expressing his confidence and saying, I shall return to dwell in the house of the Lord. Evidently, he's not in Jerusalem where the house of the Lord was. He's been separated from Jerusalem. He's been separated from God's presence there. And he longs to return. David was in a difficult and a dangerous situation. And it's in this very scenario that he finds the resources in God to give him the confidence despite his circumstances. And you know what? We too have abundant resources available in God. We too can be confident despite difficult circumstances. In Psalm 23, David explores three truths about God. Three truths that comforted him and gave him confidence. And the first truth David explores about God is this. God is our shepherd in life's difficulties. God is our shepherd in life's difficulties. He talks about this in verses 1 to 4. Let's read them again together. He says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He makes me walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In these verses... David explores three things that God does as his shepherd. He looks at how God gives rest to the weary, gives guidance to the wandering, and gives protection to the worried. So let's take a closer look at the first comfort God offers as a shepherd, that God gives rest to the weary. We see this in verses 1 to the first half of verse 3. Verse 1, David begins by calling God his shepherd. 
Now that might be a bit of an odd thing for you. Why is God called a shepherd? Well, in David's world, sheep were a major part of the economy. Actually, in the Bible, sheep are the, the most, I mentioned the most times as and more than any other livestock in the Bible. They were everywhere. You'd think it's written by a Kiwi or something. And shepherds were responsible for leading, protecting, and caring for the sheep. So the shepherd was a rich metaphor to describe the role of a leader or of God. The Bible often refers to God as Israel's shepherd. His people are like sheep who are totally dependent and often go astray. And God leads them, protects them, and cares for them. Now, what's particularly unique about Psalm 23 is that whilst God is usually called Israel's shepherd, David personalizes it. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. David has this very intimate relationship with God. And because of who he knew God to be, he concluded, I shall not want. In other words, God is so amazing because he is my personal shepherd. I lack nothing. I have everything I need. He says in verse 2 that God makes him rest in beautiful green pastures. He leads David beside peaceful waters. He refreshes and restores his soul. It's beautiful. God gives rest to the weary. Second, David says that as a shepherd, God gives guidance to the wandering. David says he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, which can also be translated, he leads me in right paths. So God keeps David on the straight and narrow. He keeps him from going off track. And I love how David gives God the credit for this. He doesn't look back on his best moments saying that that was all me. I was strong enough. I led myself on the right path. I made the right decisions. No, he knows that he is totally dependent on God to lead him. He is not brilliant and strong and impressive. He's the sheep in this scenario. David's saying, I'm the dumb, defenseless, easily distracted sheep. And he finds confidence in the fact that God gives guidance to the wandering. Now, I don't know about you, but this truth is like music to my ears. I know my own heart. I know my heart is prone to wander. And sometimes there are days where I feel like it's easier for me to break God's law than follow it. So I just absolutely treasure this truth where it says that God makes me, he he leads me in paths of righteousness. I need a shepherd. And it's also why I treasure these words from the famous hymn, Come Thou Fount, where it says, Oh, to grace how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Our hearts are prone to wander, but God gives guidance to the wandering. And it says that he does it all for his name's sake. Man, I love that line. That might sound a little bit weird to us. It might seem like God is 
almost selfish or self-exalting in some way. Maybe that sounds like a negative thing, but that is good news for me and for you. Alec Motya, Bible scholar, explains why it's such a beautiful line. He says of this line, for his name's sake, he says, this is our security and confidence. His leadership does not arise from or correspond to anything else or that we have done. It arises only from what is in his heart and nature. If you know anything about God, you know that his heart does not wander. His heart is not tempted by evil. His heart doesn't change. It is forever and only good. So I praise God that he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That gives me confidence. Now, we might be tempted to think that if God's leading us, he will lead us into what we define as success. He will lead us into a life of comfort and joy and ease and pleasure. And whilst God wants to bless us and and give us life forevermore, he doesn't always lead us on easy paths. The journey to eternal life is full of difficult terrain and dark valleys. In fact, in the next verse, David finds himself being led into a deep, dark valley. God doesn't lead us around valleys of difficulty and suffering, but he does walk with us through them. And that's what we see in verse 4, where God gives protection to the worried. God gives protection to the worried. It says in verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David is describing a dangerous situation with picture language here. He talks about himself as a helpless sheep in a deep, dark valley. But he doesn't fear any harm coming to him because God, his shepherd, is with him. And he finds the rod and the staff comforting. Why is that? Well, the rod was used by the shepherd to fend off predators, to keep the sheep safe. And the staff was used to prod the sheep and to keep them on the right path. Isn't that a comforting picture of God? He's like a shepherd who gives rest to the weary, gives guidance to the wandering, and gives protection to the worried. I wonder where you go when you're feeling weary. Maybe after a difficult day at work, where do you go? When you get home, do you go straight for the beer from the fridge or for the wine glass? Do you go straight to the remote to turn the TV on? Do you go straight to your phone and start scrolling through your feed? Where do you go when you're weary? What about in in wandering? What do you trust to keep you safe from wandering? Do Do you trust in yourself? Is your confidence in yourself? Are you relying on someone else's faith? You think that as long as you're around them, you'll you'll stay close to God, you'll walk in your faith. Who do you rely on to keep you from wandering? What about when you're worried? What do you do with your worries? Do you shove them down and ignore them? Or do you take them to God? Psalm 23 tells us that we can take all of these needs to God. He's like a shepherd 
who gives us the rest, the guidance, and the protection that we long for. He comforts us in our need. This is what we learn in verses 1 to 4. God is our shepherd in life's difficulties. Now, we would normally turn to the next verse in our passage, verse 5, right here. But if we do, we encounter a problem. You see, in verse 5, David says, You anoint my head with oil. Now, maybe you've wondered what this line means before. When David says, You anoint my head with oil, he's saying, You anoint me as king of Israel. This is what happened to the kings when they entered into their role as king, they were anointed with oil. And that creates a problem with us because we naturally assume we can just sing and pray this psalm like it's our own. You know, when we sing the words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. When we sing that, we think, you know, that's fair enough. Surely God is my shepherd too. Surely God comforts me as well. But when we come to verse 5, we can't sing and he anoints my head with oil and personalize that. Otherwise, we're ripping it out of its context. None of us can say, he anoints me as king of Israel. It doesn't make sense. So we encounter a problem here. How does this psalm relate to us? We need to remember that Psalm 23 was not written by any old Israelite. It was written perhaps by the greatest king in Israel's history, God's anointed one, King David, Israel's leader. So who are we to just personalize the psalm and make it all about ourselves and our own personal relationships with God? We're not David. We're not God's king. We're not his anointed one. So the problem then is, how can we find comfort in anything from this psalm? How is it relevant to us at all? Well, the way this problem is resolved is through Jesus. You see, we must first see how Jesus has fulfilled the psalm before we can find comfort in it too. We must realize that the words of this psalm fit most perfectly on the lips of Jesus. You see, Jesus is great David's greater son, the true heir to the throne of Israel. The king promised to David's line in 2 Samuel chapter 7. All throughout his life, you see Jesus praying the Psalms. And Psalm 23 really comes into its own when we hear it, when we picture it on the lips of Jesus. I mean, think about it. Jesus fulfilled the words of this Psalm in their fullest sense. Jesus found rest in his father when he was weary. Whenever he grew tired, whenever he grew troubled, you'd see him in the Gospels trying to withdraw to desolate places, to lonely places, to be with his father in prayer. He looked to the father to give him rest when he was weary. Jesus found guidance from the father when he was at risk of wandering, but God kept him on paths of righteousness. You see, the temptations in the wilderness that Jesus went through in the gospels where Satan tempted him, they were all about trying to get him off the right path. They were all about getting him to try and be a different kind of king to the one God had called him to be. Satan would try to get him to be a self-serving king, to make bread for himself, or to be this miracle-working king that glorifies himself, jumping off the temple, all these sorts of things. But Jesus didn't wander. He didn't fail. He didn't give in. 
his father kept him on paths of righteousness. And Jesus alone went through the valley of the shadow of death for real and came out the other side. God's path for him led him down into the valley of crucifixion. And God led him out through the other side in resurrection victory. David, in his limited success as king, led Israel to the pinnacle of their history as a people. Jesus, in his complete success as a king, leads God's people not into a moment of glory, but into eternal glory. David strayed from God's path throughout his life. Jesus stayed on God's path throughout his life. And Jesus confronted his enemies and defeated them. He put Satan to open shame by destroying his power to accuse us at the cross. He took away the sting from death's tail by letting it strike him instead. He crucified sin and its power in us by bearing it within himself and putting it to death on the cross. He put all of his confidence and trust in his Father, and it was through his obedience that he achieved our salvation. I love these words from the first letter of Peter, chapter 2, where it says about Jesus, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You see, we have every reason for confidence despite life circumstances, because our King, Jesus, did not weary, wander, or falter. He won. We have every reason for confidence because our king did not weary, wander, or falter. He won. And it's through faith in Jesus that God becomes our shepherd in life's difficulties. A pastor called Glenn Scrivener says, Many times we do fear evil, especially in that dark and terrible valley. Yet this is a path which Christ has walked, and he has walked it for us. He has walked it as the trusting and obedient son of the Father. He has submitted to the rod and staff. He has submitted to the deep darkness and come through to glory. Our hope is not in our own dying well. Our hope is that he has died well. If we trust him, we are in him, carried through to share a place at the table. I love those words. And the last line is, key. If we trust him, we are in him, carried through to share a place at the table. And this is exactly how we get in on the promise of verse 5, where we discover that God is our host in Jesus's victory. God is our host in Jesus's victory. So the metaphor has changed from God being a shepherd to now God being our host. And I can just see Jesus saying these words in Psalm 23, verse 5. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my defeated enemies. You anoint my head with oil. You anoint me as king of the universe. My cup overflows. You know, I used to read this verse and think of a scene where David was feasting, but in the midst of deep danger. But this is a victory feast. Jesus has gone through the valley of the shadow of death and come out the other side. His enemies, death, Satan, and sin have been defeated. And now with his enemies watching, God spreads out a lavish feast to celebrate. He anoints Jesus' head with oil to mark him out as the rightful king of all the earth. And as those who have trusted in God's king and followed God's king, we get to join in on the party. You see, verse 5 depicts God as our host in Jesus' victory, as our generous host. And in this age between Jesus' first and second coming, we anticipate this awesome feast in the Lord's Supper. You see, at the Lord's Supper, we feast on the gospel that tells us that Jesus gave his body for us at the cross. He shed his blood for us. And it was through this act of dying in our place that he destroyed Satan's hold over our lives, death's threat over our lives, sin's power in our lives. We anticipate the end time feast of Jesus's ultimate victory in the Lord's Supper. We feast even now on the gospel. But one day when Jesus and his mop-up crew arrive, Satan's time will be up. And Jesus will begin his earthly reign as God's king. And all those who have trusted in King Jesus will celebrate with him. God will be our host in Jesus' victory. In the new heaven and new earth, he will set up a table for us. He will fill our cups up with the best cellar-aged wine you've ever tasted. And we will laugh and sing and celebrate and dance and rejoice in Jesus' victory in the new heaven and new earth. What an amazing day that will be. But until that day comes, between Jesus' first and second coming, God leads us into green pastures and through dark valleys. We will not escape suffering and difficulty in this lifetime. Jesus didn't either. But David tells us that whatever we go through, we will one day look back and see that God is our pursuer for all our days. God is our pursuer for all our days. You see, David was being pursued by violent opposition at the time of writing Psalm 23. But as he meditated on God's care for him and God's promises, it filled him with confidence and trust. He sang out, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I told you before that a better translation would be surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. You know, humanly speaking, David might have seen hateful enemies pursuing him. But God's care for him and God's promises convinced him that God's goodness and mercy were behind even the most dire situations in his life. It reminds me of Romans 8.28, where it says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Do you believe that? If your faith is in Jesus, these promises are yours. 
Only goodness and mercy shall pursue you in sickness and in health, in gain and in loss. God's love and kindness are pursuing you and chasing you down and working all things together in God's sovereign wisdom towards your ultimate good in Christ. And we too can say that we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus' resurrection is the opening act to our resurrection. And in that day, nothing will separate us from God's presence. Are you weary at the end of 2021? Are you worried? Are you even wandering from God's path? Psalm 23 tells you to take heart. We have every reason to be confident because our king did not wander or weary or falter, but he won. Because of Jesus, God is your shepherd too. He is your generous host who satisfies the hunger of your soul. He is your pursuer so that when you look over your shoulder, you see God's goodness and mercy chasing you down pushing you further and further into the presence of God until you reach eternity. I don't know what 2022 holds for us, but I know that for those who trust in Jesus, the future is incredibly bright. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that this is your voice to us today, that you speak to us through Psalm 23. And God, we are so thankful for Jesus. We are so thankful for your King who you sent into this world to be the perfect, obedient Son who did not stray or wander from the path that you set for him but submitted to it all the way through the valley of the shadow of death and out to the other side in resurrection victory. And because of all that Jesus did, we too can make this psalm our own. Lord, we find comfort in it. We thank you that you are our shepherd. We thank you that you comfort us, that you guide us, you protect us, you refresh us. Lord, we pray, refresh us today. Set our hearts on Jesus afresh and give us everything we need to live fruitful lives for you. It's for your name's sake that we pray this. Amen. Amen. Church, wherever you are, would you please stand with me for a moment? I'd love to just pray these words as a blessing over you from Hebrews chapter 13, where it says, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.